You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with my guy, Ron Cobb Jr. Just listening to that intro music has to get you going when the Chiefs plant their flag on football's highest summit. You hear Mahomes talking about Wasp. You got to be ready for camp by now. Oh, man. Stags, we are ready. It's St. Joe time. I'm getting there Saturday, so if anyone's going this upcoming Saturday, uh, you know, look for me there. I'll be wearing my my AP shirt, although it is very faded. I need some new AP gear. Um, shout out, Pete, again. I, I think I've already said that on the pod before. Um, but Stags, no, it, it is great, man. Another season. Uh, we're covering the team for these beautiful people. I tweeted it out the other day, but I love doing this. And, you know, the offseason can drag. We've been doing this, you know, we've been doing the pod for a while this offseason. So we've been talking to you guys, but it's still kind of, it feels like this is, you know, we're, we kind of just, it's a, it's a refresher. This one's the new you know, it feels like a, a new season of the pod. You know, we're, we're kind of episode one, season one. I'm ready, man. I'm fired up. Let's do it, Sags. You bet. We've been uh, looking forward to camp. The This time of year is all about the dreams, right? It's the dream of who's going who's gonna to make it big, who's going to break out. It's also broken dreams with the, with the news the last few days, the, the dream of Orlando Brown Jr. signing a long-term contract, the dream of Justin Ross being the next big thing. In, in at least for 2022, those dreams died this week, but we do have camp to look forward to finally. Uh, those reports for us to overreact to, which have already started with the rookies and quarterbacks reporting. I think Jody Fortson's up to like 15, 20 touchdowns at this point. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's already started. That hype train is is a runaway train at this point, right? Well, uh, before we get into training camp too much, let me let me see if I can make anyone else's dreams come true, because I do want to tease a little bit. Um, I, I do have a, a little bit of a giveaway. First time on the pod um, that we're going to do a little bit of a giveaway. Um, I've been reading this book. It's called the 2021 Kansas City Chiefs Third Down Offense, Unpacking Greatness. The author uh, I've connected with on Twitter uh, seems like a great dude. Um, Brett Tabo, although I feel like I could be saying his name wrong. Um, but it's a great book, uh, goes over the Chiefs third down offense, play by play, you know, describes the plays and stuff. And what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be giving a, a, a copy away. And and so um, one thing I think we're going to do, Stags, I think if you agree with me on this, it was your idea. I think we're just going to give it to the best question that we get next next pod. You know, uh, make sure you DM me, though, if you're interested in the in the book and then ask us a question next week. And uh, we'll kind of give it away that way. So that'll be fun. So, yeah, make sure if you're listening, make sure you DM me if you're interested in the book. Get your name kind of submitted. 
and then I'll look for you on the questions next week, and then we'll see if we can get someone to get someone smarter. We'll get with stags. We're making people smarter about the Chiefs on our podcast. It's, it's the perfect book for football nerds who have not yet drilled down to every single third down play that happened last year. So, <laughs> I hate it. I, I think it's great. Um, and certainly glad to give something back to those of you that are asking great questions every week. A couple program notes, by the way. We are back to our weekly schedule. Uh, we'll now yes. be on uh, every Tuesday. And look for the question prompt, the question tweet uh, uh, every Monday. So uh, definitely get your questions in every week. Uh, we'll have plenty to react to after Chiefs games. Now we'll have an extra day to react to said Chiefs games and your questions. So make sure you get those in. Remember, they don't all have to be serious football questions. We love pulling out the random stuff and the personal questions. Uh, so we'll be we'll be uh, answering just about anything you you want to ask. So get those in every Monday, every Tuesday from here on out. Yeah, you know, we get that extra day, like you're saying. We kind of flip with the editor's show. They're usually the Tuesday show. Um, you know, they have the marinated takeaways. We're kind of stealing their thunder a little bit. Our takeaways are going to be a lot more marinated, a lot more, you know, prepared, ready to go instead of fresh off the, you know, Monday morning after the game. So, yeah, we uh, we'll take we'll take that marinated uh, <laughs> marinated meat and put it on the the slow and low, so it'll be nice. Yeah, and we'll have, ex- a, we'll have a nice smoke ring to us by the time we get on on Tuesday afternoons. Yeah, no rush. We're taking all day with it. You know, we're we're getting we're getting it nice and tender. You know, nice and juicy. Uh, get, yeah. a, get a good bark. Yeah, we got the burn in <laughs> coming in. All right. Well, with that being said, let's get into some just some rapid fire camp previews. I know every podcast is going to talk about training camp, what to look for who to watch out for. Uh, so we're just going to run through ours in a pretty quick manner. Uh, first of all, let's just start with who do you want to focus on in training camp? Uh, give me a player and a position group that don't have to match up here. All right, Sags. Well, I'm going to take your guy because I know you are kind of the the leader of the, you know, the Clyde edwards Elair hype train of for AP. We all love Clyde. We all want to see him and him do well. But um, I, I do think this, this training camp is going to be super important for him, right? We saw them bring in Ronald Jones. We saw them actually re-sign Jarek McKinnon too. And there is some question to, does that mean that maybe, you know, we, 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 that projection that I've had all offseason of him maybe becoming a bigger part of this offense, you know, maybe having more of a third down role, maybe, you know, being a more impactful part of the, the passing game. Is that, you know, maybe, you know, not as, you know, maybe I'm, I'm thinking a little too much for him. Um, we're going to see in training camp, right? Because, you know, this is where, you know, I think one beautiful thing about training camp is the Chiefs can't hide their intentions for the most part. They need to practice these plays at full speed. And if they want to get Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, involved in, you know, more of the passing game work, more of the, you know, the the situational stuff, you know, red zone, third down, you know, because Daryl was playing a lot of the situational stuff, you know, being a good pass blocker last year, you know, a very reliable receiver. Mahomes really, you know, trusted Daryl, obviously. I mean, he was throwing up 40 yard jump balls with a safety on him. Um, so if we can see Clyde, you know, I, I'd love to see, you know, how involved he is in the offense, you know, in, in terms of the first team offense, is he doing the early down stuff? Um, is, is he, you know, splitting out wide at all? I'd love to just see where Clyde's lining up stacks because I want to see him have a really good year. I think he could really make this offense a lot more unpredictable if he does get maximized the way we kind of thought he could out of LSU. Yeah. Ron knows the way to my heart there. Talk about Clyde. You know, I, I am looking forward to him having the opportunity to just just sort of shut people up a little bit, right? Right. He, I think at this point he's slept on. He's he's underrated. Uh, we got people talking about how his he, his legacy is in question about how he's you know won 
mediocre season away from being a street free agent, uh, you know, signing a vet minimum contract. I've heard all kinds of stuff here. So, you know, this offense should be perfect for him. He should be healthy, full off season, ready to go. Yeah, he'll have complimentary backs around it, but but yeah, that that'll be fun to see him hopefully take the reins and establish himself uh, as the guy there. So if I had to name one player, uh, you know, it's it's a little tougher. I'm going to start with my position group first, maybe. So okay, I'm going to be watching the pass rush because uh, we've said it before. Everything in this defense is predicated upon that pass rush, and they've done their best to build the secondary up hopefully to give you know the, the the defense a little more balance and maybe give those guys a second or two more to get home. But all eyes should be on George Karloftis and Frank Clark. Um, and and really, is there anybody else behind them that steps up? We still think there's probably a, a potential move that could still be made at defensive end at some point. Uh, so it may not be just those guys, but if you had to pick one guy off that list – yeah, Karloftis is going to be one to watch. I kind of feel like I have a good handle on what he's going to be. If he surprises me, great. But uh, Frank Clark's the one that that I think could really swing this defense in one direction or the other. If he's last year's Frank Clark, um, you know they're going to really struggle. If he's if he's prime Frank Clark, if he's the closer once again, then you know th- then they that could be uh, this could be a lot more fun. So. Uh, is he skinny, Frank? Is he is he is he back to normal size? Uh, you know, does he show up? And and he's also known to be a fun guy to watch at training camp, just because he's very vocal, talks a lot of smack. Um, he's that you know he's up in people's faces. He's really pushing the envelope. So you know he's going to be he'll be a fun one to keep your eyes on if you're in St. Joe. Uh, look for 55, and and you know yeah. you'll get a kick out of him one way or the other. Uh, but hopefully. He's looking spry and young once again. And I and I wouldn't bring this up unless he and, and uh, you know, only because he publicized it on his Instagram post, which I actually tweeted out um, a picture of Frank looking. I, I think he looks great. I think he looks in great shape. I don't think he looks skinny at all. And and I and I get what you know, he doesn't look huge. He doesn't look uh, built. But the only reason I, I, I bring it up, bring this up. Another part of that Instagram post was he said four months, no liquor. And like. There is something to that, right? I mean, if he if he truly is, you know, if that's something that he he truly, you know, it was part of his life and he's truly cutting out completely. I mean, you know, that can really change, especially a guy that we've known has, you know, has had some kind of some health issues that have kind of, you know, limited his his uh, availability at times. I mean, there is something to that. And, and I'd love to see what it looks like in, in training camp. Um, you know, if, if there is a more spry Frank Clark um, in a year where, you know, last year, you know, he didn't necessarily have that pressure, right? Where it's like, hey, we could cut you after the the season because um, we could. The Chiefs didn't really have that option logistically, right? This season, I f- I feel like he can have the, maybe that that pressure a little more, knowing that you know if he wants to continue to get paid like one of the best players in the NFL, he's gonna have to step up, step it up, you know. And and he knows that, so it'll be interesting to see it starts in training camp. Well, who's what's your position group to watch? You if Clyde is your guy. Uh, who's the position group that, that we should all be worried? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sticking on offense, and and I got to go with my wide receivers because this is where I feel like we might we we might be seeing the most turnover and probably the most significant position, right? I mean, there's a lot of turnover at a lot of positions uh, on this team right now, um, but wide receiver is probably the most important when you're talking about in today's NFL uh, pass game, 
Mahomes obviously getting on track with these receivers. One thing that, you know, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, but it's just Mahomes has not had to deal with much turnover in his receiving core. You know, Sammy Watkins has, you know, he he left, you know, but he was here for three seasons still. It's it's something that he really hasn't had to deal with. D. Rob and Byron Pringle have always been complimentary guys for him since he started. You know, Tyreek Hill's always obviously, and then obviously Kelsey is still here. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how well they jive. You know, that we don't know who's going to emerge right now. We we think we have some ideas, but we really don't know until the till it goes full speed. You know, we don't know if 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 uh, you know, McC- I I I think McColl, you know, really has the leg up just because he's been here, but he also hasn't had the greatest reputation of having good chemistry with Mahomes on the field. We, we've talked about it. We've seen it on the field in games. Um, throughout his keep career. running, McCole. Keep running. Yeah, and and if people can't see me, but yeah, Mahomes waving his arms, you know, tell yeah, exactly. And and so it'll be really interesting to see if if that continues, um, and which one which receiver gets on the the right page with the most. And and I think that will tell us the most on who will kind of be that leading target getter, maybe out of the receiving core. Yeah, you'll see the results of the Camp Mahomes uh, work that they got in the off season and. You know, I think that's why so many of us are high on Marquez Valdez scanning at this point because that chemistry has been there early on. They've been very quiet on Juju. They've been very quiet yeah. on Sky Moore uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, even even McColl, you know, he's he's out there talking now, and I love the confidence that he's bringing uh, to too. what he's going to do this season. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that'll be a really fun group to watch. I'm not too worried about the chemistry just because some of those guys are new. I think uh, I think this is the time to build that, and they've been working on it this summer. I think it's just going to be exciting to see how they distribute the ball and what the offense can look like in this more theoretically more balanced approach that they're going to bring. So, yeah, and maybe it is. Maybe they've been you know purposefully keeping it quiet around certain players, and and like you said. At some point during the preseason, maybe they can't hide that anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, Juju's going to go off in a preseason game and they're just going to have to bench him if they want to <laughs> keep him quiet. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that, that'll be fun. And and especially in camp, you know, receivers are, are fun to watch because especially the bigger receivers, those that can go up and get the ball right. every single year, those are the guys that, that uh, bring the oohs and ahs out of the, the stands in St. Joe. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to watch probably, right? Um, in terms of you're just sitting out there watching the, the practices. The easiest thing to watch is Mahomes connecting with, with his receivers for sure. Yeah, and, and, and real quick before I, I move on to the next point, it, I, I do I have said on Twitter and I, and I stand by it is that I think Juju is probably the most talented of the receivers, honestly, the wide receivers right now. We don't know what Sky Moore is. Sky Moore might turn out to be a really talented player. Um, but I, I, I really think it's, it's such a toss-up just because they're – each player has such a different kind of talent. And I really think just because, you know, McColl, you know, his role and how it can expand, how he's already been in the offense, I just feel like it's going to be so spread out that it's not really about the talent, right? I think it's just about, you know, how the coaches want to implement them. And that's where it's it, it's just going to be fascinating about kind of like we don't know exactly. We have an idea, but we don't know exactly how they'll be implemented. And it starts in training camp. So, yeah, I mean, I think McColl's comments were fun because we we've all assumed that this new look Chiefs offense is going to be uh, maybe in some ways differently effective. Maybe that's a good way to put it as compared to yeah. last year with Tyreek Hill. And McColl talked a lot about that, you know, when the way that teams played them because of Hill also made it harder for him to find space. And and so uh, if that changes, then maybe his game can go to the next level as well. So, yeah, that, 
that not only how they connect with each other, but how other teams decide to play them. Uh, that'll be really fun to see. Not that you'll learn a lot about defenses in, in training camp or preseason games, uh, but that's what we'll be watching for. Let me give you a bonus on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it, I talked a little bit about the pass rush of Frank Clark, George Karloftis. How they can figure out how to use Leo Chanel is going to be a, a, a fun thing to watch in camp. You know, there was a quote that came out today. I just saw it on, on Twitter from Ed Easton Jr. I'm sure it's from other sources as well. Pardon the uh, the offensive language that's about to come out. Uh, this barrage of four-letter words that Leo Chanel unleashes. Uh, they were saying that uh, uh, Leo Chanel is excited about contact drills and playing in pads, of course, right? So his quote was, Brenda Daly told me like, oh, sorry, dude. We got to wait till August 1. And I'm like, ah, oh, geez, darn it. So that's <laughs> – <laughs> Leo Chanel is obviously looking forward to being able to hit somebody. He is. Uh, and... He was He was very sad he had to wait that long. Let's just say that. <laughs> geez, darn it. I mean, that's – again, this is a family show. We got to be careful with that stuff. <laughs> but uh, all right. Uh, how about – what is your favorite thing about training camp? What do you love about, uh, about camp, whether it's uh, the experience for you being there or the experience for them? Well, there's so many things about camp. I mean, first of all, it's just, I mean, walking up there when it's the sun's still kind of rising, um, you know, you walk in that walk with all the other Chiefs fans. It's the first time you're kind of congregating for the season with other Chiefs fans. Oh, man, it's a thing. Be, I can't wait to do it. Um, but when I'm getting specific, I, you know, I, I do got to have to go back to, uh, you know, the late, the great uh, Therese Paylor. It was his favorite thing as well. Those OLDL one-on-ones, man, that is really where it gets fun at camp. That is really where you see competitiveness, especially with this, this Chiefs team, right? I mean, we're seeing, you know, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and, and Darian Kennard this year is a good addition to those 1v1s because, you know, we don't know what we have at, with Kennard yet, but what we do know is he played in the SEC. He started for three years. He's a massive dude with some massive hands. He's going to be nasty in a one-on-one setting, right? You know, we know that as a, at a bare minimum. Whether or not you know that translates to him being a really good player, we don't know yet. But all that to say, it's just that's the most fun, man. That's that's where it gets the most competitive. Um, I, I really like to see those. And and this year it's mo- it's really important, right? Because you talked about the pass rush. You know, we let's see if Karloftis can can get the best of a Joe Tooney or a, or a, a Trey Smith because I think that's a good sign if he can, right? The the, the funny part about it though is that you don't have Orlando Brown. Um, you, you know, Prince Tego Winogo actually started and, and Niang are both on the PUP to start the offensive tackle depth is kind of shallow. So maybe, you know, seeing them dominate the offensive tackle group might not be the most impressive thing, but, uh, we'll, we'll still, we still like to see some progress from, from the, the DN. So we'll, we'll take it either way. That's one of my favorite things. I, I like to call it the camp conundrum that for every good play on one side, there's, there's a, yeah. a bad play on the other. So it's like, oh yeah. Hey, great! This guy got a sack, and they're like, "Oh, wait, what happened to the offensive line?" You know, like every exactly. single play is going to be uh, is going to be that way. So every report you hear, you got to choose which side to be optimistic on. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll be we'll be out there trying to trying to decipher a pattern there. And I think what you want to see is is balance, right? You want to see back, you know, back and forth. You want to see the the offense won this drive, the defense won the next drive, and that gives you some hope that that maybe both sides of the ball are competing at a high level. Uh, I also love, uh, is it Leo Chanel's quote about iron sharpening iron? He says it's more like diamond sharpening copper. Yeah, that was great. I think that was brilliant uh, because these young guys are going to have 
you know, a rude awakening uh, when it comes to uh, trying to defend Mahomes and camp, not just him, but defensive backs as well. Uh, but really my favorite thing about camp is, uh, uh, and Ron, you're not at this point in your life yet, but uh, a family fun day, you know, I, I've in the past taken my kids uh, at different times and that day when like everybody is out at camp uh, and it is, it's the busiest day of the camp. Uh, they usually have, that whole section set up with like the rock climbing wall and the obstacle course and the, and the kicking and the, and the throwing, you know, drills and, and all of that stuff. Uh, the kids just have a great time with it. And it's just a, a fun time to like give them something to do and, and still be able to watch practice and, and really trying to get your, your family tradition going. I think I've told the story in the past that I'm a Chiefs fan largely because I watched the Chiefs games with my grandpa, with my dad, all the way growing up, uh, and I think you know I'm trying to continue that tradition with my kids, and I think a lot of people do. So the fact that they do such a nice job with the outreach to families and giving everybody something fun that they can get out of that day, even if they're not yet hardcore football fans, hopefully you're making some Chiefs fans for life there, and it's pretty fun to see all the kids get into it. Now you're 100% right, and all I got to add to that is – it, 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 that stuff looks fun. And half the time I want to jump in there and see what I can do with, you know, with, with all those, all those jump, jump houses, bouncy houses and stuff, you know, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I don't know, man. It's tempting. You walk by it's that on that big football field. You have to walk all the way by it to get to the practice. I mean, I don't know, dude, I, is there an age limit? I got to check on that when I go Saturday. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You're probably still under the cutoff, man. All right. So uh, uh, how about some camp preview, some, some bold predictions getting back to this list here. What uh, what do you got for for bold predictions out of training camp? I'm gonna call this a mini bold prediction because it's really not. I mean, it's you know it's not that significant of a prediction, but you know I I am I am pretty confident in this one. Honestly, um, the more I think about it, um, the more I I kind of feel how this offense is gonna be. You know, is gonna develop formation wise. I think the Chiefs are not gonna keep four tight ends um, this season, and I think the odd man out will be Blake Bell. Although I will say I should say. It might be a competition between Blake Bell and Noah Gray. It would make sense that Gray gets, you know, the the next year. It's only his second year. They, we still haven't seen, you know, too much from him yet. I don't think you want to cut ties with him yet um, just for a, a veteran Blake Bell that's pretty replaceable. Um, so I think they keep three tight ends this year. We saw some fun with the four tight end formation last year, but I think it was more – it was kind of more necessary maybe last year uh, with the re- the depth of the receiving core was not great at all, right? I mean, it, besides Tyree Kill, you, you didn't have a lot of receivers you wanted to have on the field. I don't think it's the same this year, right? You have a lot of receivers you want on the field, and so I think there's less of a reason to have the four tight ends when we've never seen Andy Reid really keep four tight ends um, besides last year. It's usually been three um, really and, and to a T. And, you know, if you need another tight end, they got plenty of practice squad guys. They always keep tight ends around. They've, they've had like 10 at a time at some points this offseason. So I, 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 I really think we'll see Blake Bell gone and it'll make way um, for another spot for a crucial, you know, another player at another spot that's more crucial than a fourth tight end. Fair enough. I do think they like Blake Bell as a blocker. Uh, I would I'm actually a little bit worried for Noah Gray the, the, this uh, preseason. Really? I'm sure that there's. You know, he was a guy I liked a lot last year, but uh, with the emergence of Jody Fortune, I think I think that hype is real. I think that he is going to be a factor. He's going to be somebody that gets playing time. Uh, you know, then it, it feels a little murkier on on Noah Gray 
than than it does to me to Blake Blake Bell, who has a very defined role. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what Gray's role is yet, uh, but again, it's something they could flush out in camp, and we'll see. Yeah, no, you know, I the more you know, you're right, man, uh, and especially when you think about. And I guess Noah Gray is one of the top returning special teams players, but you know Blake Bell has a lot of experience on the special teams, and we see we're seeing a lot of turnover this offseason on that unit. You know, it's something that Dave Tobe might really, you know, stand on the table for. Like, hey, I need this guy who knows my special. You can lead my special teams unit. Um, that's interesting, man. You're right because the whole appeal with Gray was his receiving ability a little bit, and I don't think we factored in Fortson when we all got excited about that. So. That is interesting. That's, that's Plus, if, if Bell's gone, who's going to run that? Uh, uh, <laughs> who's going to run that that ill-fated play on the goal line? <laughs> oh no! Oh no, Stags! It worked right. out though. That was the Bills game, right? That worked out. It, yeah, it, I think so. Okay. All right, so I, I was actually going to steal from your idea a little bit when it comes to bold predictions. I think uh, I think the story of the of training camp might eventually be the special teams units and. I think there's going to be a lot of competition in the defensive back room, uh, a lot of competition in the back end of the of the wide receiver room and the running back room, uh, looking for uh, who's going to stand out on special teams. I think Chris Lamons is going to find a way to get his, himself back on the roster just for special teams. Uh, I think uh, there's Jalen Watson, who is a seventh-round pick, who um, has some upside as a guy that I think we like, but in a crowded room there, um, he's going to have to really compete on special teams and really differentiate himself. Same with Nazi Johnson. I think there's a there's a big possibility that those two guys end up uh, as practice squad players. Because as you mentioned earlier, if the Chiefs didn't have so many seventh-round picks, some of these guys would have been undrafted free agents right. potentially. So if they were coming in as UDFAs, we would automatically be penciling them in on the practice squad right. unless they really stand out. So – I'll be looking to see how many of those young defensive backs really make a name for themselves. Uh, and and really, a lot of that's going to be with Uncle Dave. Yeah, exactly. No, and and Lamons, he, he was really good on special teams last year. I mean, you, you have to be really good on special teams to, to get noticed. And he was someone that absolutely, you know, earned some, some recognition. Obviously, might be dealing with the suspension to start this year. We're not exactly sure um, yet. I don't think that's come out. Um, last time I saw it was speculated. It was six games potentially. Um, but six games of a 17-game season is, is, is very insignificant in the grand scheme of things, right? You know, um, I think Tobe, knowing him, knowing, you know, how wor- you know, valuable he probably thinks of Lamons, I think they're worth waiting around um, for him to get back that seventh game and, and help them, their special teams unit down the stretch. So I like it. Well, Ron, let's let's get to the people's questions here. We've got yes. a few good ones uh, that we can squeeze in before the break. Uh, long love, live the chief. Sorry, I, I, I misread that. Long live the chief uh, on on Twitter. <laughs> if Orlando yeah. Brown doesn't show up to camp, who would you like to see receive the lion's share of his reps? Um, so a lot of Orlando Brown talk. He's the news of the day, so we might as well start our questions there. Uh, we have another one coming up here about the the contract, but. Uh, just just who would be his replacement? Who do you want to see he be his replacement? Maybe those are two questions. Who do you want to see replace him? And who do you think actually is going to? Well, you know, it's been talked about, you know, plenty. Pete and John uh, mentioned this too, and, and it's significant. But, you know, it's pretty cool or not cool, I guess. But it was pretty interesting that Andy, you know, just sudden, you know, all just kind of 
threw away the Joe, Joe Tooney quote, right? Yeah. He said, uh, you know, hey, he can he can do it in a heartbeat. Joe Tooney can do it in a heartbeat. I don't want to see that though, right? I don't, I, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't want to, I don't want training. I don't, why that would make no sense. Um, to me, um, I get like, once you get to week one and you want to win some ball games and, and you need to get your best lineup. I do think probably the best lineup is moving Tooney at the left tackle and having Allegretti coming at left guard. Would you agree with that stack? Sure. Yeah. Probably. It, it, yeah. In a pinch, right. We're talking like how yeah. the Bengals game happened last year, Brown and Niang go out. You kind of have to, and that's what happened, right? They put Allegretti in and then moved. But if we're talking practicing for an entire season where we know, and, and we'll get into this a little more as we get on in this conversation, we know Brown is going to come back at some point. There's no reason for him to, to hold out, you know, and not play. He's not, it would just be dumb on his part. Um, so let's just throw Roger Johnson and let's throw Jerron Christian in at left tackle. Let's throw a guy that at least has some NFL experience. I don't really necessarily want to see Kennard just thrown in as the first team left tackle. That wouldn't make sense to me because he's a rookie and he's not probably going to play that necessarily. Uh, I think we need to, I need to continue to see him progress at right tackle because I think that's where his future is. That's where he's comfortable. So I would like to see, I, I'd say Roger Johnson probably just because he's the most veteran. He has the most left tackle experience, even though he, he's, he's not a great player. He obviously he didn't play at all in 2021, um, but he does, he has played in the NFL. And so I just think that makes the most sense. Just kind of have a placeholder. He might get his ass whooped in, in training camp, which, you know, that sucks, but it's, it's, I just don't think it's worth, you know, uh, kind of reshuffling the rest of the line when you're trying to practice for an entire season, not just for week one. Right. Yeah, I totally agree on that. I, Joe Tooney should be an emergency option only. I'm, I'm actually kind of annoyed that Andy Reid mentioned it just because I was hoping that that narrative would die a, a quick and painful death. But, but hold on, real, sorry, real quick. But do, but do you think he was kind of, and and I'm asking, I don't know for sure. Do you think he might have been saying it like, we'll do what we have to do now, but if it comes to that, Tooney can do it in a pinch. You know, maybe he was kind of saying what we're saying where he doesn't have to practice it necessarily. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what he was getting at. You think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And and yeah. other others have, have speculated that that was maybe a jab at uh, Orlando Brown Jr. You know, saying, yeah. "Hey, we, you know, Tooney's better anyway." I I don't want to read too much into it. I do think one of the journeymen are probably going to be the the answer, Johnson uh, or uh, Christian. Uh, Christian has played, you know, a, a decent amount in the NFL at left tackle with you know, pretty good success as a pass blocker. I don't think he was great as a run blocker, but he's somebody that, that can hold up in that spot, you know, for a couple of games if you need him to. And then keep that powerful, you know, developing interior offensive line together the way they are. Um, you know, with with Lucas Niang probably going to – he's on PUP now. He's on the active PUP. I always like to make that distinction. Active PUP now, which doesn't mean he's out for any part of the season, just means that, he wasn't ready when camp started. And so he has the rest of training camp to get active um, and actually practice, or he'll end up on the actual reserve PUP, which means he'll miss the first six weeks. Um, we kind of think that he's going to miss some time. Uh, so your plans really are down to the right tackle side, Andrew Wiley and Darren Kennard. So, pulling one of those guys off and putting them at left tackle is not a good plan. you got to solidify right tackle as well. I really don't want to go into week one with Andrew Wiley at left tackle and oh. Darren Kennard at right or, or whatever. So I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Brown will be there. But, but yeah, let, let's let those two 
journeyman work at left tackle, solve the right tackle position as 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 well as you can for the season. Yep. With the expectation that OBJ will be back, uh, you know, to for week one. Yeah, and here's where we can get into that because at this point, right? I, I think at first, originally, when Brown is kind of you know maybe playing hardball um, before the deadline, I think there was there he did have some leverage, right? In terms of look. I'm going to hold out all training camp. You guys want to hit the ground running. Like I want to get this deal done. So sign me. So we don't have to worry about this. Right. I think he had leverage then. Now the deadline is passed. They can't negotiate anymore. There's no long-term deal getting done until next off season. Right. And so now there's not really a great reason for him to be missing time, except to just not be at training camp. And so my prediction is that he, as soon as that last horn blows at, at St. Joe, as soon as that last bag is packed heading back to Kansas City, Brown will report because that's when that's when the preseason gets a lot easier. You're not doing those dog days practices. You're not staying in a dorm. You know, I, I really think it gives him plenty of time, too, to get back from week one, right? It's two or three weeks. Um, and, and so you have some thoughts on that, I'm sure. But I, I, I just really think – that there's no real reason for him to just like completely hold out and not even report at all before, you know, until week one or into the season. Cause he also, you know, as a guy that was a third round pick real quick, he is, he hasn't made a lot of money in his career. This $16 million franchise tag, which I believe it is. I, I think that's the number. Uh, that's a, uh, that's a good chunk of change. And you know, every game you don't play, you're missing out on that game check. Um, and so it, it's, I think that's the other, adva- or, you know, incentive yeah. for him too. Yep, and he, he doesn't have any real incentive to show up to camp either. You know, exactly. he has not signed the tag. He's not going to have any fines for missing time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the buses roll in from St. Joe. They roll into Arrowhead, and Orlando Brown is just standing there. Going, <laughs> Where have you guys been? Right. Uh, and and they'll move on just like it, it never happened. Uh, but let's get to G. Freddie's question. Uh, G. Freddie at uh, underscore Chiefs on Twitter Am I correct in believing that if over the next several weeks the Chiefs were to rescind the franchise tag offer and then some other team signed Orlando Brown Jr., he would not count in the NFL draft compensatory formula? I love this question. It's way down in the weeds of the CBA stuff, and we did some research on this. So if you're cool with it, Ryan, I'm just going to run with with what we found out. Please. So uh, I think this is a very astute question and an interesting one. Uh you know, the, the question comes up, how often do teams actually rescind the franchise tag? Well, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, we found one fairly high-profile example from 2016. The Carolina Panthers had franchise tag Josh Norman, the cornerback who was a big name at the time. They realized they were not able to work out a contract. It was never going to happen. So they rescinded that franchise tag. Uh, but the key here is they did so on – April 20th, 2016. Why that's key, and and I think what G. Freddie was getting at here, is April 20th, 2016 was about a week prior to the NFL draft. We're sitting here in late July, well after the NFL draft, and and that makes it significant because if you remember the Tyron Matthew deal, one of the things that we talked about was Tyron Matthew signing his contract when he did was the fact that it was the day after or hours after, depending on who you believe on, on the reporting. But it was hours after the the clock turned over and no longer did new contracts count against the, the team for uh, compensatory formulas or, or count in their favor. Uh, so even if there was no franchise tag and Orlando Brown was 
was a free agent, even if he signed today with a different team, then he still wouldn't count against the compensatory pick formula. So the fact that they had a tag on him and rescinded it uh, wouldn't make any difference now. So if, so now G. Freddie's right. If they rescind the tag, he's a free agent. He goes to sign somewhere else. They get nothing back in return, which is one of the many reasons they're not going to rescind the tag. Carolina yeah. did it in 2016, partially for the for that reason. They got the third round pick for for Josh Norman, uh, so it worked out for them. Uh, it's well past that deadline for the Chiefs. Uh, it, they would not get any compensation back if they were to rescind that tag, and so it, that feels like probably the least likely of all the outcomes. Yeah, no, you're, I agree with you, and and so does our guy Jared Sapp. Uh, I always I always like to get his his take on on this kind of stuff. He's a genius with this uh, with these you know, any sort of off season, you know, contract stuff. And yeah, he said a very similar thing. You know, if they were to yank the tag right now, no player agent would ever take beach and company seriously again, which makes it, yeah, it makes a good point. Right. That's a whole different point. Right. I mean, you talk about how, uh, ironically, we're talking about Orlando Brown has an agent who has no relationships with the league, Yeah, but I think GMs do value their relationships with agents. And I think, you know, this would be, negotiating feel like it would feel like negotiating in bad faith maybe at this point that they had this franchise tag that was the basis for their negotiations uh and then all of a sudden they pull that and he's left scrambling for a job now again unlikely scenario but if that were to happen i think orlando brown would find a job pretty quick uh yes. just at a quick glance at the nfl uh there's a couple of teams you know like the bears the steelers and others that that maybe uh would be in the market for a big mauling 26 year old left tackle. But again, I don't see it coming to that. Um, and, and I don't see any reason why the chiefs would even consider rescinding that tag, but you're, but you and, and Jared are right. That would be an ugly scenario. Uh, and one that I don't think anybody from Patrick Mahomes to Orlando Brown jr. To, to Brett Veach would be happy with how that turned out. No, sir. No, sir. Well, what do you think Stags? You thinking, thinking uh break time it is about time to go to break and and to set that up you know it's a perfect time uh to talk about heading to training camp and i saw this tweet from rob collins at rc fox 4kc on twitter talking about mccall hardman and quoting him and saying i've got my comforter and my sheets ready the rookie sky moore is getting all the snacks for us uh He's looking forward to camp. He's looking forward to the snacks on the way to St. Joe. What do you have about a, a forty-five to fifty-minute drive from from your place to St. Joe, or a little bit more? I I made it worse. I moved recently, so I added another 10, 15 minutes. So it's about an hour, a solid hour now. All right. Well, this gets into a perfect question from Sweet Caroline at Shine on Shana on Twitter. If you're going to the gas station to get road trip snacks, you get three items: one drink, one bag of chips one bag of candy or, or one candy, what are you getting? And I do acknowledge Sweet Caroline. She didn't ask us this question, but I love the question. <laughs> I think it ties right into McCole Hardman's comments. So that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from break. Ron, you get one drink, one bag of chips, and one candy. What do you got for right now? What we got is time for our sponsors. Stick with us. When we come back, we'll answer that question. A couple more of your questions, and we'll get to your favorite segments right after this. Vacations can be tricky. 
you already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Out of Structure Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We had this question heading into break that we stole off of Twitter from Sweet Caroline. You're going on the road trip. You're on your way to St. Joe, we're presuming. One drink, one bag of chips, one candy. You're stopping at Quick Trip on your way out of town, Ron. What are you picking up? Okay. So, I, you know, every road trip, you know, and and, and we're talking St. Joe, but I'm going to think a little longer road trip, too, because you need a little caffeine, right? You need a little caffeine to, to keep, you, keep you alert on these roads. You know, it's, it's never safe. Never drive drowsy people. Um, just as bad as driving drunk, um, as they say. So my first, my one drink though would be cherry coke. I mean, I'm a huge cherry coke guy. Um, that's my go-to drink at a movie. Um, whenever I, I don't drink a lot of soda, honestly, I'm I'm more of a, a water and a you know like a I love me a good body armor. Um, but when I need some caffeine, I, I coke seems to be my go-to. But cherry coke specifically. So I'm I'm gonna say cherry coke stags. You want to you want to get your drink out, or you want me to go through the whole lineup? Hey, I, I love Cherry Coke um, as well. I, I do drink a lot of the Cherry Coke Zero. That's my uh, kind of my go-to soda when I drink wine. Yeah. Uh, but what used to be my go-to soda that I still would indulge on if I needed to stay up on a road trip is always the Diet Mountain Dew. It, it apparently is the number one selling soda or, or pop, depending really? on what you call it, in, in, uh, in gas stations is, is Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew. So uh, I'm going with the Diet Mountain Dew on this this particular trip. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I love me a good Mountain Dew too. So I, I give, I get you that, but chips, when I'm thinking chips, this is a toughie because you got to think road trip. You got to, there's a lot of practicality, a lot of logistics that go into what kind of chips you want. You don't want Cheetos. You don't want all that all over your, your, your and you know, I'm not a huge fan of Cheetos as it is. I'm gonna go sun chips. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a big sun chips guy. Um, we have them around my office and you know, particular flavor. It's tough, either garden salsa or original, but I'd probably go original. What do you think? I respect the sun chips. That feels like something that's made to think you it's made to make you believe that it's healthy when it's really the same <laughs> as any other chip. Um, right. So I'm not making any pretend any 
under any false pretenses that this chip is healthy. I don't even know if you'd call it a chip, but it's in a similar aisle. Um, I like to grab a good bag of combos on the way uh, when, when I'm road tripping somewhere, whether it's the, the crackers with the cheese or the pizza combos or whatever. Uh, so I'm going to forego this traditional potato chips and go with some combos. I will say I, I like combos, but I just feel like I get tired of them too quick. And that's where I kind of was thinking about this with like sun chips. I feel like I could eat for, for a long time and I, yeah, and I wouldn't fair. get tired of them. Um, I like combos though. The pizza ones, the, uh, the five cheese ones or whatever too. Yeah. Fire. Okay. But one, the one candy I have too, uh, pretty basic. I love me some Skittles. I, I, I don't want to go chocolate on a road trip. Honestly, I don't know why. Just, I, I want to have a little bit of like that, whatever you would call a fruity kind of sugary, those kind of candies and Skittles are just, I don't know. I could eat Skittles for days and it's probably not good, but I love me some Skittles. Ever since Marshawn Lynch had them, it feels like an NFL type candy anyway. Yeah, right? there you go. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I'm going to stick with this pattern of, of eating something on a road trip that I would never buy at home. Uh, don't, don't buy combos for my house. I don't buy any Diet Mountain Dew anymore uh, for, for my house. I used to, but but not anymore. Uh, so the, the bag of candy I'm grabbing is ever have you ever grabbed the uh, the gummy lifesavers? Oh uh, yeah, for you sure. Get the gas station because uh, they come in a pretty big bag. It's got that fruity goodness that you were just throwing out there. But yeah. it's, uh, again, something off the wall that I normally wouldn't buy. I almost always would go, you know, for like the Reese's or something like that. But like you said, get the melted chocolate in the car is no fun. So yep. I'm grabbing the gummy lifesavers for this trip. Yeah, I love it. No, I yeah, I, I feel you. I'm always a whenever I'm candy on a road trip, it's more the sugary, fruity stuff rather than the chocolate. I don't, you know, I, I think it is kind of just that you kind of think about it like melting, I guess, in the back of your head. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, I like it. I like our lineups. That's a pretty solid lineup there. What about the? Uh, uh, let's get back to the lineup of questions. Um, let's do it. I like Jake Wilson's question here. Jake, for now, perennial question answer uh, asker. I think we're gonna hit a couple parts of his question here. So. I'm just going to pull out a piece of it and say the roster changes at wide receiver, running back, offensive line. Is that going to lead to more consistent success or more frequent miscues? Yeah, no, it's, it's, there is some turnover at wide receiver and running back for sure. I mean, offensive line, I mean, we're hoping there's not too much turnover, right? We're hoping Brown's back in the lineup as we've talked about. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, you look at this offense, you look at what happened last year. I mean, this team had 25 turnovers, which was the most a Chiefs team has had since 2012 in the whole entire Andy Reid era. There was plenty of miscues last year. And so bringing back those same guys, you wouldn't expect that to, to happen, even if it was, yeah, the same people, right? And so it's new players. Um, I do think there is something too. I've talked about it before, but you know, Juju is a little more, you know, uh, more reliable of a pass catcher than Byron Pringle was. If you're talking direct replacements, we've seen D Rob do some wild things with the ball in his hands. And, and I, I I'd say MBS is a little, <laughs> little, you know, ball is way out here. He's holding it. Like we're, we're, you know, he's, he's about to throw it like a baseball. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, so, yeah, so I, I don't, I wouldn't worry too much about the, the turnover causing more miscues. Um, Cause I think there was plenty last year. And I think if anything, you know, they're, the focus on like trying to build that chemistry, trying to get all on the same page will help. Maybe there, there might be a little bit of lack of focus when you've all been on the same page. You're not, you've all been playing together for so long. You don't really think you need to hammer the details as much. Maybe, you know, there could be something. Maybe. And I also, you know, Jake mentions three different offensive positions here, but I do think there's going to be good competition at each one of them and training camp will be a great opportunity for them to, 
to gel and, and to look good together. Really, the miscues that we saw so much last season and really for the last couple of years has been the defensive back room. Yeah. And, you know, how many times, you know, the, the famous, infamous pictures of Tyron Matthew throwing his arms up, wondering what's going on. But, you know, we talked about this when there was this transition from Tyron Matthew that he was for so long the general on the field, the coach on the field that was lining everybody up. Whenever he missed a game, they looked completely out of sorts and and to the point where they were blowing assignments left and right. And even when he was in the game, a lot of times that was still happening. So I think there was a turnover in the defensive backfield for good reason. Um, and you've got now a lot of young players uh, that hopefully are going to take the coaching, are going to, you know, trust the the system and and believe in each other if they all come up together. Um, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching the defensive backfield to see how they gel and how they communicate with each other uh, even more so than worrying about the offensive miscue. Yeah, I've always liked that point. You've made that on the pod, and, and I've always liked that point that, yeah, I mean, they don't have that Tyron, that leader that demands that single leadership role, right? Like, you don't share a leadership with Tyron. Tyron is the leader. Um, in, in, in the current version of what they have right now, there's not really one true alpha that has earned the right to be that alpha, right? And so it, it might make for a more um, cohesive leadership. Group. He was kind of a crutch. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. I feel like he was kind of a crutch for the defense. And, and without him, you know, they're going to be forced to, to find their own way. And, and maybe that'll end up better. Maybe there'll be some growing pains along the way. You know, uh, right. certainly the football IQ you know, uh, that is, is fairly superior to just about anybody in the league. But, you know, again, I, I know I've made this point before, but I don't know that t- Matthew played that well uh, last season. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you take him off the field uh, and you have, you know, again, a, a more of a, a a group effort and some guys that are younger and faster, maybe it'll be better. Well, let's, uh, I want to, we'll, we'll ha- hammer this next question out pretty quick. The, I think it's Stefan at Casey Royalty 25. Um, he, he just asked why has Mahomes been so disrespected this off season, which I get, I get why he's asking that it, it does. It is funny where like, it does seem like, and, and this is actually, it comes at a good time. We saw the, um, Mike Sando of the athletic does his quarterback tears. And one of the comments from that, cause there was one, one person he interviewed that called Mahomes a tier two quarterback, not a tier one quarterback, the only one. And I don't know if it was the same person that said the quote that he released, but the quote came out saying that he's kind of a one read guy, right? That was basically what they were saying, which is just complete blas- mm-hmm. blasphemy if, if you've <laughs> ever watched him play the position. So, so, but the only, the, I'll, I'll make it quick on this answer because, you know, there wouldn't be as much disrespect if Patrick Mahomes threw the game winning touchdown in the AFC Championship, went on to win the Super Bowl. And, but instead, unfortunately, he he blew his opportunity to kind of cement him because I mean imagine if he did go through that I mean we I mean Mahomes would be being talked about as as you know I mean just unbelievable status you know two Super Bowls you know three Super Bowl trips in you know his first four seasons starting or whatever um, he but he blew it in that moment and te- people want to find other ways to you know other people to kind of hype up in those moments when other people fail you know yeah, that's how it is that's that's hard to hear out loud just like it was hard to watch in that second half of the of the Bengals game but yeah i mean it's it's a tough truth to say that you know while he's still the greatest there is he uh he absolutely folded in in that game and and that's uh that's unfortunate i i think there's other reasons for this 
disrespect, which I don't really care that much about. I hope right. Mahomes either doesn't care about it or he uses it to, to you know, uh, get revenge. But and I think the Tyreek Hill situation, obviously, he keeps running his mouth about Tua, uh, and you know, yeah, yeah, hype up your hype up your new guy. It's fine, whatever. But uh, uh, you know, I think that's part of it. Uh, and then, yeah, there's probably just some fatigue of of Mahomes being the the darling and not having anybody have anything bad to say about him. That somebody's just gonna, you know, people are gonna find things to pick at. You know, they're uh, they do it to Jordan and LeBron too. So you know, it's uh, uh it's to be expected. Well, I like Justin Spears' question at Chiefs Boy RD. Um, I think this is a fun question, and I'm a, I'm gonna have you lead off on this answer. Which AFC team would you find the most satisfaction in completely sucking this year? He says his is the Chargers, which I do I do feel like that's probably the obvious answer. I feel like that's every year just because of the preseason hype they get. Um, but you know, I have my own thoughts, Stags. But you you thinking of an AFC team you'd like to see suck the most? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because there's a lot, right? But <laughs> like I think the Raiders should always be on this list because you know I love to see them fail. Um I would also like to see the Bengals fail this year just because, you know, again, a little bit of a revenge factor, a little bit of, I, I think Joe Burrow's gotten, gotten overrated uh, because of the way, uh, you know, that team performed down the stretch last year. So uh, I'll go with either the Raiders or the Bengals. Who you got? I'm going to say the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills just because, and I do think there is a chance they, they regress more than people think. They're the clear Super Bowl favorite, clear AFC favorites. I mean, they're a great team. I'm not, you know, I, Josh Allen's a great player. Um, but, you know, there is something to losing your offensive coordinator who a lot of people give credit to making Josh Allen who he is now. And, and yes, Josh Allen is this player now and should be able to translate no matter who's calling the plays for him. But, you know, it just might make life a little harder on them. And it's, it's hard to be that good every year. The Bills have been one of the best regular season teams the past couple seasons um, and just didn't get it done in the playoffs either year. So it's hard to – you know, not every team, you know, can can maintain that and be at the top of the conference every year like the Chiefs tend to be. And so and and the Chiefs have done it because they haven't had a lot of coaching turnover. Right. That's one of the reasons. And the Bills are experiencing some right now. So it'll be interesting to see if their offense continues to be as good as it was. Yeah, I just find it harder to hate them than, than other teams. I, I, I understand that. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're either, you know, they're a good team. They're fun to watch. Um, you know, I don't have that rivalry feeling with them yet and maybe it's just because Mahomes and Allen are such friendly rivals right you see them playing golf together yeah. and, and all that stuff well I, I'd like to get to some segments now because ever since I wrote the this last uh, couple of weeks worth of the the Chiefs top 20 players on arrowheadpride.com it's a series we've been doing weekly we're almost to the top five now or we're at the top five now uh, and so this week you'll be seeing the the top four players that I have listed on the roster at least three of them will be of no surprise to anybody, but I've been waiting to see your reaction to see if there's any controversy in some of these names. And I, I tend to think there probably is. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody you want to get into right off the bat, but uh, this last couple of weeks I've done 12 uh, through, through nine and then eight through five. So we're all the way at, uh, now at the top five. Yeah, no quick notes. I'll hit you with some quick ones. Um, you know, I, I, I love Joe Tooney. I love Creed Humphrey. Uh, when I do this personally in my head, I would put Snead over them. Honestly, I mm. uh, positional versus or positional value. I would say in terms of being a playmaker in the defensive secondary compared to being an interior offensive lineman is one reason. 
But I just really think he's such a good playmaker. I feel like he's going to be such an important piece of the defense this year, especially not having Tyron Matthew anymore. And 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 so I and I I think the world of Snead. I really think he could turn into uh, you know a Pro Bowler kind of guy. And and this I'm, I'm not I'm not predicting it, but I I, I think this could be a, a year that he does that. So I'm I'm, I'm hmm. that's one note I have for you. But the other one would be well, just just for those following along at home. I had uh, Snead oh, at yeah. seven. <laughs> Uh, and then just ahead of them, Tooney and Creed Humphrey, uh, just outside the you know the top five. So so five, six, and seven, Humphrey, Tooney, and Sneed uh, in that order. Uh, and you you would just kind of flip that around, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's that's why it's, that's why it's nitpicking um, because I, I I think they're all they all need to be in that category. And I think you have that you have Willie Gay at eight. I think that is the appropriate kind of drop off because um, Orla- you have Orlando Brown at nine, which. I do think there's legitimacy to that for sure. Uh, it is interesting to have Gay over Brown, but I, I would I would agree with that. I would have Gay as a more important well, player than Brown. And just a couple of notes. I, I do again. I track this on a weekly basis throughout the season, and and strictly my subjective opinion, of course. And but also, I have them sort of in tiers. And the the top tier, well, Mahomes is. I'm sorry. Whoever's number one, I want to keep the suspense here. <laughs> Whoever's number one, they're in their own be? category in the NFL. And then the, the rest of that tier, though, are guys who you can make a case that they're the best in the NFL at their position. Yes. So that's why even though it feels weird to have a center at number five overall on this roster, you can make a strong case that Creed Humphrey is the best or one of the best centers in the entire NFL, even after his rookie year. So – that's part of why I tiered it that way. But also I'm trying to be forward looking and say, this isn't based on what they have done uh, so much as what they, they can do for this team and what the role is going to be going forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I put it down to individual position value, right. Interior offensive lineman as an individual person, but you have to also think about it as Creed is the leader of that offensive line. And that offensive line is a huge asset for this offense right now. Mahomes trusting his interior offensive line to keep him, you know, to not have that penetration coming, you know, into his face is huge and so important. So I, you know, I, I definitely get that. And, and you're right. I do think, you know, in terms of uh, like replacement level, you know, the, the term is war for baseball and football, you know, PFF does war for football too. wins above replacement. In terms of the average uh, player at their position, I mean, yeah, Creed and Joe Tooney are much better players, and Snead is, you know, uh, for sure. I, I would say that for sure. But again, I, you know, with this defense needing, you know, this the playmakers to step up, and and you know, I, I really think I, I like Snead. But anyway, I, 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 Snead really being the only proven corner on the roster in in some ways, you know, there is going to be a lot of expectation on him with with Ward being gone. Ward was kind of a nice you know, comfortable, you know, partner for him. Uh, right. And, yeah. And, and now all of a sudden they've upended that entire room around Sneed. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, he's got a lot to prove yet this season. Uh, yeah. But athletically, the sky's the limit for him. The ball hawking ability I love. I think he was a little bit down last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, we'll, we'll see where he lands this year. I actually thought you were going to have more to say about Frank Clark and MVS being in my top well, 12. Yes, and that's what I wanted to get to. Uh, and and you know Frank Clark, I don't have as much a, a problem with. I actually remember last year I had, I think I had Jaron Reed over Frank Clark, and it was kind of that was that was a, maybe, but it turned out to be maybe not as crazy as as uh, it looked at first. <laughs> um, 
no, I, I I think Frank Clark's in an appropriate position. He hasn't, you know, he's not an important enough. He hasn't been productive enough to be an important enough player to be above, you know, your starting offensive linemen, your playmakers like Willie Gay. But MVS is interesting, right? And and this is you kind of planting your flag, right? Uh, as the intro says, uh, planting your flag, um, saying that MVS is this the most important receiver uh, on the team um, because you do have McColl ranked as 14 and Juju at 19, and Sky Moore didn't make the top 20. And so I, I think there's legitimacy to that. We've seen these training – or not training camp, these off-season reports of practices. Pete has been very on it about MVS and Mahomes' uh, chemistry building. And so I think that's interesting, man. I, I, I like that thought. Yeah, I, yeah. I've been on – I will say real quick, though, because Christian Christian, uh, yeah, Christian Gumminger on Twitter, uh, you know, our guy on AP, at IP, shout out Christian. Uh, he he kind of put it out to Rocky on Twitter, like – he, Christian's pretty confident that McColl is going to lead the team in scrimmage yards or uh, in terms of receivers, right? Wide receivers. Uh, and I, and I, I think I agree with him. I do. I think I agree with him there. And so that's where I think I actually, you know, and, and, and this is a developing take. Cause I think at first I, I, I was, you know, MBS wide receiver one, but even if MBS maybe has more impactful plays as a volume wise, I think McColl might get more quantity right um i think mbs might be the more significant player in terms of scoring touchdowns and success week to week basis so that might be where he's still ranked above mccall but i could see mccall still having the most touches of the receiver group and maybe even again like christian said leading the team and or leading the receiver group in uh, scrimmage yards that would be bold and interesting if you think about how mccall started his career what was mccall's stat line his his rookie season just about every single week it was like two catches for 70 or 80 yards, right? Like all he did was make big plays and had no volume to it. Uh, Obviously he evolved a little bit in that role this last year, but it'll be interesting to see. And I think that's been the knock on MVS as he's been a a big player, nothing. Like if you've ever tried to start him on your fantasy football team, if you had a bye week and you're trying to cover, you know, he's a frustrating guy for fantasy football players, I'm sure, because it was either all or nothing. It was one big play. Or, or not a lot, and I, I know the the analytics guys are not high on MVS because they they just don't see you know that that full route tree or that full role really being there for him. Uh, the Chiefs seem to think he can be, and yeah. so this ranking to me right now is just all of the available information we have and looking forward into the season. That information is going to change day by day as we go. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we might have some new information about how somebody looks, you know, having shown up for camp. But it is a uh, uh, as of this point in time, uh, you know, MVS is your number one receiver. And, and we've reflected that that way. Yeah, no, exactly. I, and and this is where training camp will be fun because we'll really get to see who is seeing the most you know, work and who is getting, you know, the most snaps with the first team and all that. So, well, but yeah, let's Go get ahead. to the read remix because I really want to yes. talk about the offense. Uh this is your X and O's segment each week, and we had a great question. The other half of Jake Wilson's question, what expectations should Chiefs fans have for the red zone offense this year? And that aligned just perfectly with what you were about to write. Remix. Read Remix. Anyways, with that time, yours. Well, I have wrote it, Stags. It is posted on the site, um, and it is the latest Read Remix article. Yeah, no, I, I looked at the red zone offense and, you know, I just there is something to last year, you know, having Tyree kill um, in the red zone. There's just so much the defense has to worry about with his speed side to side um, with just, you know, his, you know, just being a decoy a lot of the times. 
Um, and so there is going to be an adjustment not having him, right? And so, first of all, though, I, I, Travis Kelsey's still here, and that really is still their, their main red zone threat. You know, I put a tweet out on, on Twitter. Um, definitely go look at it. It's a montage of basically, I, I think it was either seven or eight different ways Kelsey got the ball in the red zone. Different kind of setups, different kind of schemes, different, you know, not the same kind of strategy. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of them were touchdowns, not every single one of them. But that all that to say, you know, he is he is the guy they like to, you know, use in the red zone. You know, he's reliable, obviously, with his hands. You know, they can run with him. You know, they go direct snap with him sometimes on those power reads, which I love. But with no Tyreek Kill, because Tyreek Kill did take up 25% of the team's red zone targets last year. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of vacated targets. Kelsey only had 17% of them. And so to make up for that Hill stuff, I think one thing that we did see towards the end of last year that may hint at a change in the red zone offense, we saw a few more attempts at the goal line fade, if you guys remember in the playoffs last year. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, just a true goal line fade. I'm not talking, you know, at the one yard line, but. Uh, if you remember the Steelers game, uh, Byron Pringle runs a slant and go and, and ends up, you know, fading to the corner. Mahomes puts it perfectly on him for a touchdown against the Steelers. Very next game, what do we see in the overtime? Travis Kelsey runs an out and up to run a goal line fade pretty much, and and it, and it turns into the game-winning touchdown. I think that is something we have not seen the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era offense utilize much at all, right, uh, in terms of just Mahomes dropping back and letting his guy go up and get it over a receiver. And it might just be simply that Kelsey is the only one they've really had as a receiver that can really do that. Um, and, and he, you know, in the red zone, you don't get him in those in that many opportunities to do that because he's a tight end. You, you play more from a, you know, he plays more in the middle of the field um, and, and he's great in the middle of the field in the red zone. All that to say, you bring in MVS this year. You know, Josh Gordon is getting a lot of hype in training camp or in the offseason as a guy that has momentum to make this roster potentially. We'll and that's. See. <laughs> and and that's yeah I know right but it, it's happening I'm I'm it, it's I'm, you know it, we're here, um but you know the other guy that and this is funny Stags you'll you'll appreciate this hopefully, um but I I write this read remix article I post it I feel great about it, and for some reason I didn't even think to mention Jody Fortson's name our our <laughs> our, our love everyone's love because I really I, I know and I really think he he could be a huge part of this 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 red zone plan this year. We saw it, you know, before he was getting injured, he got more and more red zone work. One, the biggest, the last big play he made was a, a huge jump ball catch over Landon Collins at the one yard line um, against Washington. And so I, I think, I think they have a lot of options for, for big guys that can go up and get it. And so that's where I think the change in the red zone offense this year, that could maybe just be a, you know, it's not the most efficient play, but if you have, if you have guys that can go up and get it, and it's not something that defenses are going to be, you know, accustomed to defending. I think the go, the kind of more of a corner fade, you know, running more of those this year, letting trusting MVS and um, you know Travis Kelsey situations, Jody Fortson, all those guys that go up and get it. I mentioned Josh Gordon. It might be the kind of wrinkle they they implement in the red zone this year to kind of because the red zone offense wasn't perfect last year, but uh, it, it could definitely use some improvement. That's just maybe one way they could open it up a little bit. That's interesting, and that, that is an element that we feel like has been missing for a long time from this Chiefs offense. He doesn't throw as many back shoulder throws or as many, right. you know, fades, uh, you know, as, as many of those types of plays, unless it's Daryl Williams, apparently, but there was a, <laughs> there was, that's not something that's happened as often with Mahomes for whatever reason, you know, all those stats, those next gen stats where they talk about how much separation the receivers have on average for their quarterback. Mahomes is usually towards the top of those. He had receivers that were open when he throws to him, which is a novel concept. I know, but being able to throw to a covered guy as well, 
uh, or somebody trusting the receivers to go up and get it. That's a new element. That that may be something that's uh, uh, that he can continue to round out his game by throwing those, having confidence that your guy is going to get it and nobody else. And maybe that could cut down on some of the need for some of the trick plays. You just line up yeah. and, and let your guy go get it. Yeah, and and you know, I we talk about Gordon just real quick. I mean, you know, he didn't play that much last year, right? I mean, he when he played, he was when he was on the team, he started to play a bit of a role. But he, he actually he played he, a lot of snaps. Yeah, yeah. But but he didn't get a lot of targets. Yeah. Well, well, what I was just going to get at though is that, you know, D-Rob was there the entire year and played, you know, some sort of role, right? And you know, a, a legitimate role. Gordon Absolutely. ended up Gordon ended up having uh, as many red zone targets as D-Rob had all year. And so I, I I just, I use that as a reference point to say that I think last year that was something that they mm-hmm. kind of liked in, in, in theory, like, Hey, we have this big bodied guy. Let's see if we can use him in the red zone more. And if you guys remember, which we, I think we all do to an extent, you, you might have to jog your memory, but he got some opportunities and just did not catch him. Right. I mean, there mm-hmm. were, you know, there were some tough catches to make, but you know, a guy so who he caught the one tunnels, the kind of the tunnel screen touchdown, right? That was the one he yeah, caught. Very easy, yes. And then he had at least another one go off of him, maybe off of somebody else, and into the hands of a defender. Uh, yeah, one, one of Giants the game, yeah. Interceptions that happened that way. Yeah, I mean, he certainly was out of sync, and I think his spacing was off, and and so I think there was a lot of opportunities there where you know Mahomes is is looking for a certain guy in a certain window and all of a sudden Gordon's in the way. But, uh, but we also said that it was either probably either going to be Gordon or Ross taking up one of those last two wide receiver spots and not both. Well, now that Ross is on IR, you know, that does open the door for Josh Gordon, uh, assuming they don't hand that, that job to, you know, Cornell Powell, who was another guy who had a big day uh, early in camp this week. Yeah, no, that yeah, Powell is interesting because you know I we, I say Gordon has momentum to make the roster, but we all have to. I mean, I I keep thinking about it. I mean, special teams is very important, and Gordon is just not going to contribute on special it, teams. It could be Powell and Watson instead yeah. of instead of Gordon and Ross. That would be kind of a, a interesting turn of events. Yeah, exactly. But I, I it does just really feel like the Chiefs want to get Gordon on this roster just to have as a weapon. Man, it really feels like they want to have it and. So that's why I feel like Watson makes a lot of sense to make the roster because I think he makes up that special teams. And I think Sky Moore is going to have to just kind of – I don't I don't know how big of an offensive role he's going to have this year just because of all the bodies in front of him. I think he's going to have to play a lot of special teams right away. Um, I think he'll have some sort of role on offense, but I think Sky Moore is going to have to contribute on special teams. So you have to fa- factor that in too, I think, with the receiver position. That'll be interesting. Did you see anything about the run game, by the way, in, in the red zone? Well, you know, I, I, I could harp on that, um, but it, it just it's similar to just the general run game. Like the offensive line is strong. There, there's another year of it. They have Ronald Jones now. He's more of a bigger body back, hopefully. And if, yeah, if they just trust it more in, the, in those power run games, those down blocking schemes, those gap run schemes, if they just trust it more in the red zone, most of the time, I would think more than not, they should, you know, it, it should work out for them, right? I, I, they have that kind of offensive line where, you know, it's not as good, but you think about the Priest Holmes days where, you know, they're, they're running. They, you know what play they're running, and they're just not going to stop it for two yards out because Priest Holmes and the offensive line is, is getting is getting it done. And I just feel like, I, and I'm not trying to comp- – because that's a legendary, you know, offense. But I just meant in terms of the unpredictability or the predictability of it, yeah, I, I think they have the offensive line to, to be pretty straightforward with the run game in the red zone and, and score touchdowns without really thinking about it. Going to party like it's the early 2000s with uh, 
running the ball in the red zone and throwing uh, back of the end zone fades. You know, oh yeah, a, a, Tony G. What's what's old is new again. I love it. Well, do we do we have time for a quick ramble, Ron? What do you got for us this week? Yeah, let's ramble a little bit. Close out the show. It's it's it, it's been a fun fun show, and I'm not trying to get negative here on on our people because I do think, <laughs> I, but yeah, right. Uh, I love Chiefs Twitter. I, I love I love y'all. You know I do. Um, but it, I just love how how excited we get when we see a, court, a, a new quarterback contract, and we just love to to kind of puff our chest out a little bit and say, yeah, Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, get this team friendly deal. You know the APY is not even in the top five for quarterbacks. Like, you know we got so lucky with Mahomes. Blah blah blah. I mean I, we did. We absolutely did, and the, the deal is great, and don't get me wrong. I mean, we got very lucky with Mahomes, how Mahomes wanted to handle that, you know, being that mature about it, all that. But he is also in a very unique situation. There are not a lot of quarterbacks that get to determine what the deal can look like in a 10-year period like him that has the trust of the franchise like he did at that point. Not only that, it's also just the fact that and we all know it. It's every position, but the latest guy to get paid, and Mahomes acknowledges too, is a guy that's going to get paid more, especially APY, because that's what the a- agents want. You know, that's what they they want the number to be, right? They don't care about the total dollars guaranteed as much as hey, we're getting this guy paid more per year than Mahomes, or getting paid more per year. You know, and and so it's just Mahomes signed his deal what three years ago now, two three years ago. It's it it it's obviously going to be passed you know passed up in terms of APY. And by the time it's ready to get, uh, you know, extended again in 2027, when he, when I, I think that is the year that he he gets to kind of rework it again if he wants to. Trust me, guys, that APY is going to be right back up at the top of the league like it was when he originally signed the contract. And we don't get that rookie that rookie deal year uh, at first uh, right away. At that point, he may and and you know the contract's going to be structured. I'm sure in some way where it's team friendly still. But all that to say is that. Mahomes is getting his money, man. He's not like it's 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 just it's it's funny that like you know he's not sacrificing money. He's not pulling a Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady actually legitimately like sacrificed dollars. Mahomes isn't sacrificing dollars. It's just pushed down, right? He's just not getting. It's not just happening right now, and it's just it's just kind of funny how we we. I love Chiefs Twitter, but I I just tweeted it out. Like we don't have to do this every time. Every time a quarterback gets the deal, we don't have to we don't have to go on a a, a you know a, a parade about how great Mahomes' deal is because. It's just the natural way of NFL contracts, and and it's just how it is. I will say, in the most recent quarterback contract news, it does make me feel really good that Mahomes does not have to have, oh as Ian Rappaport said, the give and take that was in Kyler Murray's contract saying that he has to study four hours a week. I don't yeah. know why a team feels the need to put that into a contract, but there's no good reason for it. If you, if you feel like you have to – force your quarterback to study film four hours a week. You should not be signing that quarterback to a contract at all. Um, so I don't know what that clause is all about, but I'm pretty glad that uh, we didn't have to talk about that with Mahomes. Yeah. My first thought was like, is that typical in a contract? And then they just pointed it out as kind of a, a media thing. But from what I'm seeing, it is not a typical thing in a contract to demand that they, you know, literally in the, you know, to make their money, they have to do it. So yeah, that's a pretty bad look, man. I that's that was that was uh that'd be ugly to to hear of your quarterback that he needs to get forced to watch film. I yeah, I I would hope that's not the case with Mahomes. I think we can confidently say it's not. 
Well, I do expect each and every one of you to get your four hours of independent film study in over the next week with training camp. Uh, We'll be back with our takes on what's going on with the Chiefs. When we finally have some news and some snaps to talk about, looking forward to that first preseason game. It's going to be here before you know it. This is a fun time of year with all the optimism, all the quick reports coming in. Uh, Stay with everybody at Arrowhead Pride on the whole podcast network and on the website. Lots of content coming to you on a daily basis. Uh, We appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen with us. And we'll talk to you next week from St. Joe.